When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is an special report. Now reporting. The very handsome Jewish man, Peter Rosenberg. Yannin's at six. When the clock struck six, it meant one thing. Can I just say one thing, Don? Sure. Um, you're not done. It stands up. Uh, but it's Don. not. Now, from the ESPN New York News Desk, here's Rosenbaum or whatever that guy's name is. One of your show is number one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to ENN. Ray Row. Which is brought to you tonight by Slowman's. I'd like to start off tonight by saying good evening to Don. I got to really up my game for Instagram. And good evening to myself. Gross, but sort of neat. Monday morning here in the Tri-State. And good evening to Don. You got a gift, but it sucks. And lastly, uh, good evening to myself. Jeez! And to Don. Ballard, I go to war with him. uh, Ballard has weighed in, by the way. And he loves Don. Always has. Always will. And he said, uh, he said 13 minutes, maybe maybe 16 minutes. I said, Don and I are having a fight. He says it's impossible for a speech to be longer than 10 minutes and be good. And he says, Ballard's quote was, it was and it was. Don is very wrong. No, I'm being lied to. Okay. Maybe maybe he is a professional speaker he's, in the making. He's, and, and people's like, Don doesn't like speech. I love speeches. I dissect speeches. Why not? Like college, all of them. Yeah, but not the, everyone is. The, the checker is, speech by Nixon. Okay, um, not not everything's I have a dream, though. Some people are just, you know. Well, that's the point. But no, but, the, but, the, but what happens, Peter, is the people giving the speeches do believe it is. And I'm trying to tell them it's not two and a half walk off. Take your win, get out. Ten, Sixteen minutes, you should be institutionalized. I'll tell you what. I right think now, anybody right? cares beyond if, three minutes. You, if, that was thirteen minutes too long. I, you're full of this yourself. Is, this is the part that you're so wrong on, Don. A best man, a lifelong best man, a best friend, gets up and does two and a half minutes. As the groom, I'm offended. It's that short. I at least want five minutes, if not seven minutes, for oh. the best man speech. Where here's where you want to save time. Listen, I DJed weddings in addition to doing having one before and soon having to plan a second one. I also DJed a ton of weddings. I have all I have a ton of thoughts about where to save time, things to cut. I feel very strongly about a lot of it. Now, the parents speaking at the wedding, you want to be mindful of that time. Parents can get up there because it's their moment, they paid for it, whatever it is, and they go on and on and on. But the best man and the maid of honor, I believe, are expected to deliver more than two and a half minutes and and to be good. And I've seen it many times. Is it perfect? No. But what standard are you – why does it have to be they're Dave Chappelle or they're nothing? Because you can't possibly entertain people for that long unless you're, unless you're a professional. It's, it's go, it goes on too long. People just – they're going to zone out. 
And maybe they'll miss out on something good. I'm just telling you, human nature, they're going to zone out and be like, I, I, I just can't do this. Too self-absorbed, too, too much. Sorry. Let's Two and a half minutes. Anything over than that, you're really taking a chance. It's like you're skydiving without a parachute. You might live. No, it is risky. There's no doubt. I'm not saying it's not risky. You're right about that. Uh, so I'm going to reverse the order here of what I was thinking. Oh, we, no. we'll, we'll go back to the Kyrie Irving, the KD, all these different things. Don, we haven't talked about the the brawl between Seattle and Anaheim all day. Oh, that and was a big time. Don, uh, we could have broken that down for four hours like the Zabruder tape. I mean, it was a big-time brawl. Let's hear the play-by-play from Seattle Sports 710 in Seattle. Oh, I was making an art. dead. See, and here's the pitch, and it's inside, and that hits Winker. And Andrew Wants hits him, and Wants has to go, and so does Phil Nevin. Winker walking slowly out in front of home plate, and now he's getting chirped at by the Angel players. Winker going over toward the dugout, and both benches are emptying. Winker going to the Angels' dugout. He is right in there. They're starting to throw punches. Holy smokes, we got a full melee going on in the index circle. Everybody throwing punches. Angels out there, Mariners out there. And that was inside. It hit Winker. Winker had a few words with Stassi, walked over to the dugout. And now the umpires have their hands full trying to separate guys. Holy smokes, we have a melee in the index circle. Guys are still fighting one another. Yeah, that was something. That was, when I saw this pop up on John Boy, I said, hold on one second. I, this is what I, I've been waiting for, something like this level. This is... They were going and going. I don't like know the it, history. I'm sure there's history. Not even taking any sides, but I found it to be entertaining, and it was an actual fight. That was not a bench-clearing incident. No, they got, there was a, it was a fight. Let's hear uh, from the managers. First, Phil Nevin. Yeah, I mean, look, you play eight games in a matter of a week against the same team. You know, things like this happen. I mean, the scheduling, you know, tensions just, you know, that's, that's baseball sometimes. Unfortunately, there's some ugly incidences once in a while, and I think that's just what happened today. And Scott Service of the, of the Mariners. Certainly, you know, a lot of stuff that probably shouldn't happen uh, in the game, you know, happened out there today. Emotions running high, but uh, it's pretty clear what, what was going on. They switched, put an opener in there to, to throw some balls at us and got out of hand from there. And, and kind of a, a black eye on been a very good series, competitive series, you know, whatever. Uh, and it kind of got crazy there in the second inning. But you know, I've often said that people show you who they are, believe them. And I'll leave it at that. No, they don't like each other. Good. It was really, it was, if you haven't watched it yet, go on the John Boy Instagram account or wherever you find your baseball highlights and uh, and watch it. Because it really, Don, you're talking about uh, bench coaches fighting with each other. It, it was like borderline, it was like the equivalent of a hockey fight when the goalies get out and fight. It was the real deal. No, these two teams don't like each other. Again, I don't know the history. I tried to kind of study up on it, but I didn't know how much we were going to talk about it, but just watching the fight. And I was getting a lot of it because that's kind of what I advocated that the Mets do. But that, that, that's kind of what I was talking about. Like, you, you're not going to forget that. That's that's making a statement. No pointing. No, oh, I'll I'll push you or let the catcher hold me up. Uh, that's th- two teams that don't like each other. And now they know where they stand. Don, the Stanley Cup is over. That's right. The Colorado Avalanche, your Stanley Cup champions. It happened in only just with just 
three, four days left in June. Pretty impressive. Um, let's hear the Avs go-ahead goal from our own Sean McDonough. To McKinnon, bouncing puck, and a goal! Artari Lekkinen makes it 2-1, to one, Colorado. And the winning call on altitude 92.5. Four seconds, three seconds, two seconds, one second. It's over! They did it! They did it! The job is done! The Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champions! Good call. McGahee, I can't think of his first name. I'm sorry. Willis. It's Willis McGahee. <laughs> <laughs> he no. moved on, and he does uh, hockey commentary now. But uh, three championship, uh, the third championship in their history. Mm-hmm. Um, just a tremendous uh, season for them. And it also kind of whole bucks the whole needing a great goaltender to win the cup because, no offense to Darcy Kemper, he's, he's, a, he's a nice goaltender, but he's not great. But Colorado deserved to win the championship. Congratulations to them. And, and the Lightning now got a taste of what it was like trying to beat them because they were down 2-1 going to the third period, and they had four shots on goal in the third. So the Islanders went through it. The Rangers went through it trying to get a goal late and not getting a sniff. That's what the Avalanche did to them. And here's Barry Melrose on how Colorado did it. I think they built just about the perfect team. You look out on that ice, you're watching this team play. They're fast as lightning, fastest team in the NHL. They're physical. They can't be pushed around physically. They can win against any size, toughness uh, that you're going to be playing against. Good goaltending. Not great goaltending, but good goaltending. You don't need great goaltending when your team's that good in front of them. And sprinkle in a few superstars. A few. More than a few. Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the league. McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen. They're a... Five years ago, worst team in the NHL, and now Stanley Cup champions. Um, oh, and great job by ABC too. Can we? Can we? I know we sound like shills, but NBC Sportsnet would give you like five minutes of the ceremony, and then go to NBC Sportsnet to um to for the no they ABC stayed with it like. What would you say, Anthony? I, I think because I wanted to time it out. Like the game ended at like ten fifty six, so you know the affiliates love to get to the news at eleven o'clock. It was probably, what, like 11.40 by the time they finally ended it. They got to see all the handshakes and the, the cup presentation. Not oh, from Gary great. Bettman. He had COVID, by the way. Yeah, I mean, wow. when, when, McDonough, when McDonough signed off, Don, at like 11.20, I think it was, I could have swore we were going to go to Eyewitness News. And it went to Steve Levy, and it didn't say go to ESPN for Steve Levy. You, no, you it was had, good. You had coverage. That was good. It was awesome. Let's hear from... Uh... Aaron Judge over the weekend about the agreement that him and the Yankees were able to come to for this season. Give you any more confidence that the next deal, the big deal, will get done, seeing that they met in the middle here? Uh, no. Uh, you know, we got this one done, and you know, I was happy about that. Kevin mm. Millar on Barton Hahn earlier. His thoughts on Judge. I think he's as close to Derek Jeter as we have. Hmm. If you're a Yankee fan, man, he says the right thing. He's a pro. He's a sweet, sweet soul, and he's a beast. So when you have all that, that's, uh, that was Derek Jeter. He's a beast in the postseason. He's going to hit great pitching jeets, and he's just the man. Now you look at Aaron Judge. He's the man at 6'7", 290 pounds of just pure animal. Now, <laughs> what are they going to pay him? you got a guy probably looking at an eight-year deal. So eight years times 40. In my opinion, 
that number's got to start with a four zero. So four times eight is 32. Add the zero, 320 million for eight years is what I'm looking at at Aaron Judge because marketable, the whole package, the team with the biggest city in, in sports, the New York Yankees, like it doesn't get better than that. Mm. That's mm. a lot. It's, you know, listen, it's a lot of money for a team that makes a lot of money. But you know, 40, 40 sounds great, Peter. But does it sound great for when he's 37, 38 years old? I, that, I, I don't think anybody is arguing. If he is 25 years old, he's getting his. He probably already has the deal. But the question is, that that ten that eight-year contract, nine-year contract, whatever it ends up being, is going to kick in when he's 31 years old. Pretty, pretty special stuff that's happening. Let's go to the nets of it all. The Kyrie-KD situation appears to be at near a breaking point. Now the rumor's out that KD, unhappy as well and willing to leave, Nets are also willing to part with KD and Kyrie. So at this point, everyone's kind of pulling it out and saying, hey, we're willing to walk away, everybody. So it's going to be interesting to see who cracks here. Um, Let's hear from Brian Windhorse. Uh, The Nets are willing to part with KD and Kyrie if they have to. The Nets are putting out there right now that they are prepared to lose both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. They would rather lose them both than go through what they went through last season, which was a miserable season under the situation that Kyrie Irving contributed to creating. Now, the concept of losing Kevin Durant, one of the all-time best players in the league, who was under contract for four more years, it sounds incredible and almost unbelievable to me, and which is why I kind of believe that it's a negotiating position. That what the Nets really, really want is for Kyrie to opt into his contract and then try to work this out with both him and Durant under contract. Whether it's getting him to come back and play for just this one year, whether it's working out an extension or whatever. That's what I think they actually want. But they are sending out the signals that they are willing to go to the mattresses even if it costs them Durant. And the whole league is going to watch and wait because there are teams in this league who are preparing right now for the moment that Kevin Durant says he wants out of there to call the Nets to make contract offers because this is such a volatile situation. So let's say it's a ploy. And and they figure, all right, well, he's not going anywhere. None of the teams seem interested in him on Kyrie's list or don't have salary cap space. So if it is a ploy, then Kyrie's got to come back for the year. So I think the Nets would take that, right? One more year, and then Kyrie's going to be on his best behavior because he's going to want a contract. So could this just be the Nets just trying to keep the band together for just one more season, give it one more try, and then if they win it all, then do what you want? I'll tell you the truth, Don. If it's it's me, I'm trying my best to stand my ground, man up a little bit, take control of the situation, and yet I'm also trying to keep this thing together because I don't see what alternative they have that could have them be in contention any of, anytime soon. Right. But the one thing they have over Kyrie, it appears at least, is that Kyrie's got nowhere to go but stay in Brooklyn another year. And why is that a bad thing for Brooklyn? Here's Tim Bontemps on KJM earlier saying how much better Kyrie could make the Lakers. They would be a lot better, but I still don't think they're a championship-level team 
if they add Kyrie Irving. This team would still have basically minimum salary slots at every single place around those guys. We don't know. Obviously, we saw both Anthony Davis and LeBron get hurt last year. Are they going to be able to stay healthy? Are they going to be able to guard anyone? I mean, they would have a lot of questions to answer. But certainly, if they could get Kyrie either in a trade or if, you know, obviously if he signed there, it would make them a lot better and would certainly make them a factor. But I don't think it would be a guarantee that they have a chance to win. I, I agree wholeheartedly. We were discussing that before the show today. And uh, John Winthrop, uh, one of our uh, pinhead suits, said, well, I mean, if Kyrie goes out to L.A., psh, they're contending. And I just don't see how any – I understand what he's saying, but I can't see how anyone would say that with any confidence. Between Anthony Davis and, and Kyrie Irving, do you know what the mathematical odds are on them being on the floor at the same time? That's the problem. But Not high. How how do you expect to get? What can the Lakers give the Nets that they would still have AD and LeBron to play with Kyrie? Like what what could the Lakers give them? What Westbrook? They already said they're not interested. Right. Nets are out on Westbrook. So I would think the only way they get Kyrie is to give up AD. No. What and else would me, they have? Yeah, that's why it's not going to happen. Now I have in front of me, uh, courtesy of Incarcerated Bob a list of from Vegas odds of a team Kevin Durant would end up on if not the Nets next season. If not the Nets. So the Nets are not in this. Okay. So so want to take a guess at who has the best odds and what the odds are. So it was what let me see was the, it was the Knicks, Lakers, Clippers, Mavericks, Heat. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anybody? Trailblazers are listed Trail- on this too. I would say the best odds are the Clippers. According to this, the best odds for Kevin Durant are the Miami Heat Hmm. plus 275. Jeez! The Grizzlies and Blazers are both plus 400. Atlanta plus 550. The Clippers plus 650. The Knicks plus 800. Not awful odds. I got to tell you, that would be honestly, in terms of just what would I I would find exciting for the area of like really making an impact and could maybe change things. If there was a way the Knicks could get KD at this point, now knowing how good he is still, with maybe a, a chip on his shoulder wanting to prove that he can really do something special. Now, listen, you made the case earlier, Don, and it's hard to argue. He's not the kind of guy who's walking into a team that doesn't have that much, and saying, let me get you guys to championship levels. I know. I'm dreaming here. But tell me it wouldn't be an amazing thing for our job if somehow oh, KD yeah. went to the Garden. No, it would be great. And that's why I don't think it will ever happen. I know. Dreaming. I just don't know. How, 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 does it, how would that look like? What would that, what would that look like? What do they give up? Now they can. I don't know how much can they fit because they did give up a lot of cap space. Well, a lot of things would have to fall too because Kyrie would also have to be gone. Because there's not going to be a world in which Kyrie stays, but they move on from KD. That's not happening, right? If Kyrie stays, KD's staying. Mm-hmm. They're going to make it work. Like no matter what, no matter what we've learned about Kevin Durant today, I don't think it changes the fact that if the Nets work it out with Kyrie. 
that will mean KD is also staying. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Let's go to Jeff Darlington, who's on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Okay. Talking about what to expect from Deshaun Watson's hearing with the NFL tomorrow. It is obviously very important that tomorrow's hearing is taking place from the standpoint that this does at least produce some feel of finality, that this will be the final step before we find out what Sue Robinson decides. But we shouldn't really claim to know too much because this is the first time that Robinson has been in a role that's really quite new to the NFL as well. She doesn't have any precedent here, any experience with NFL litigation like this, like with disciplinary processes. So whether this means that she'll rule right away, whether it means she'll take into account what the NFL and the NFLPA, or whether it means she already knows exactly what she's going to do, all remains to be seen. So it's very important, yes, but also something that we'll learn as we go through this process exactly what it means. Well, if I had to guess, he's not playing this year. That, that's where you're starting to feel? You're starting yeah. to feel it won't even get on the field? I don't think he'll uh, – because you just look at what the NFL has done to players like – Roethlisberger, who who you know never went to trial or anything, missed games. I mean, these are what? How many women ended up being twenty six? Still four more out there. You look at the um, Trevor Bauer situation, where they also took a long time to investigate, gave him two years. You know, NFL wants to start taking this really seriously, and already uh, he wasn't going to. Um, Settle out of court. Now he's done it, what, 22 times with 22 women? Right. Nothing happened to now something happening. That's where I would lean. Where would you lean? Yeah, I'm I'm starting to think that the six-game idea we had would have been the case had there not been more information that had come out recently. But once the New York Times did the story where they reported that he he had talked to or, or, or met up with 68 different massage therapists i just feel like the way the story is going yeah it ends up being worse than the six maybe 10 maybe the whole season right see the thing is is that there may at the end of the day be no fire meaning proof meaning like clear-cut evidence that something horrific happened but you can't deny there is a ton of smoke and we've seen the nfl suspend just off of smoke and this is this is an you know, an incredible player. It was a huge story. There's just so much. There's so much into this, Peter. That I, I, it just doesn't sound like it's going to be something that's just going to be you know six games or eight games. And they don't have the players' association that if it's a year, where uh, an appeal is really probably going to go anywhere. You know what, Don? I think there's only one thing to do to close out ENN today. Our first ever official live. Oh, watch. really? Oh, yeah. Live. Watch. I think I've addressed that about as thoroughly as I'm going to. I chose what's best for me and my family. I'm tired of all this stuff. I mean, it's a 
situation. I'm surprised at a lot of these guys because they say one thing and then they do another. Another live announcement. Matthew mm. Wolf departing the PGA Tour. I'm not familiar. Okay. Yeah. Matthew Wolf? Yeah. Is that wrong? Is that bad job? No, out of he, he's not a star. Not a star. A good player. Not a star. Um, you, what about Eugenio Chachara and Carlos Ortiz? They're also joining. I'm not familiar with their work either. Wolf is 23 years old, and he will play this week in Live Golf's tournament at Pumpkin Ridge in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Wait, so how many Pumpkin of these Ridge. live? How many of these live uh, tournaments are in the U.S.? Do we know? Sounds like a lot. That's interesting too, because that means there's a lot more people doing business with this than just these golfers. You know what I'm Thank saying? You. There are a lot of other people involved in all these courses that are going to get used. A lot of people are going to be getting these checks. Four, four in America. I think there's five: Portland, uh, okay. New Jersey, Boston, Chicago, and Miami. Those are those look like the ones in America that are currently scheduled. Do you think it would be bad for our public branding if we went and broadcasted live from the Jersey one? Hmm. My guess would be yes. That wouldn't play well. Your PGA, if, your PGA Tour Superstore read would probably. Yeah, and my PGA Superstore reads would be out the window. Um, I, I did not know that there were five in the U.S. Listen, I'm a PGA guy, all right? For now. Do I think there's hypocrisy to the to the way that the players are being talked about given how everyone else in the world operates? Yeah, I do. But uh, hopefully the PGA is able to find a way to combat this because i don't think their early uh plan of attack was effective well if you're going to look at this as like a rival league and in every time there's been a rival league in basketball with the uh aba and the nhl with the wha and uh, and then obviously in football with the usfl all it ended up doing at the end of the day is getting the gold standard that is the original league to ante up and change their rules. Right. And they eventually did and won out. Yeah, cuz uh, cuz it was it used to be like in the NHL you had to be like above 18 to get drafted, but then they changed that because the WHA was drafting people under under 19 years old. So the the thing is you're going to have to conform. You're the big the, bad original and you can do whatever you want. Now you got some competition the, here's and competition the thing, means though. changing. But here's the thing. Your competition this time, it's not the WHA. It's not the USFL. It's guys who have more money than you do. That's what makes this really fascinating. They're not they're well, not beating the mom and pop. P, the PGA now is basically the mom and pop shop fighting against the real money. So they're in a different sort of challenge than we've seen before well, in that regard. It's kind of similar. You're right. It's not like the the blank you money that we were that that it looks like they have. But if you remember in the WHA, it was they wanted Bobby Hull. And Bobby's like, I'm not leaving the Blackhawks. You're going to have to give me $2 million. Okay. And he had to go. Like, so it, it's not that, but it's it's to the level of where I get to make some you know outrageous money that the NHL would never offer me. So it might as well be comparable, right? Where, hey, if I can make double the amount of money I'm making, I'll go, I'll go play for the rival league. I'll go play in front of nobody. I'll go, you know, play in all these wacky cities because what the heck, I'm going to make double, maybe triple what I was making in the NHL. And then eventually they had to cave. You know, you, you look at the USFL, right? Herschel Walker 
Lee, uh, a Heisman Trophy winner, goes to the USFL. Did he go there because they had an 18-game schedule? No, he went there because they're going to pay him more money. So it's this, it's it's comparable, and in every in every situation, the um, the other league, this being the PGA, was going to have to change their ways. And, and it'll be they'll be in a spot where they have to do even more because of the finances of the whole thing. That will do it for ENN. Brought to you by Sloman's. Call one eight hundred Alarm Me to receive a free doorbell camera with the installation of your Sloman Shield. Keep your family safe. Call one eight hundred Alarm Me. Thank you, Donald. As we take a break, come back with your phone calls. Uh, whatever you want on the table, 1-800-919-3776. You and your calls the rest of the way. Peter and Don on the K Show on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for listening to the Michael K Show podcast. Hear more of Michael, Don, and Peter live weekday afternoon starting at 3 on 98.7 ESPN in New York. The ESPN app, the TuneIn app, or on your smart speaker. Hey Alexa, play 98.7 ESPN.